The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Welcome to A Feast for Pros. Today we are talking about The Queen's Justice, which is episode 3 of season 7. And actually, I think probably my favorite episode so far this year. There's a lot that happened. Um, today, uh, we're joined by uh, Mr. Jack Newman. Oh, I'm a, I'm a mister. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've been knighted by Sean Solis to hold so. and grant him titles the lands of Zevendor. I don't know where the fuck this is. Keep, keep introducing people. <laughs> and Miss Sarah Becker. Hello. Wait. I like it when Jack does his voice. <laughs> and I am your host, <laughs> Sean Solis, today. Let's, let's fucking do this thing. No, 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 I'm your, uh, I'm your herald here. Sean Solis, <laughs> the lord of the feast for the bros. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I prefer, uh, I prefer uh, Mr. Head is uh, fingers cut off. De- Davis, Davis, Davis. Davis. See, yeah, that's the I thing. Prefer his like, introduction. <laughs> Yeah, after after watching that that's episode, not- it's like I need I need a hype man like Davos. Right. <laughs> I just <laughs> he just and comes frickin- in. He's like, I'm gonna get him ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Danny's got uh, Misandi, who's just like, yes, here's like your thirtieth title, and, <laughs> and it's like, and this is Jon Snow. <laughs> it's a it, actually her titles are actually like a little bit ridiculous at this point. To be entirely honest with you. Like, like she just, I, it's interesting to me to like, I like that, that, so we're going to, we're starting, I'll let you go. I'll, I have. No, 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 go. Right, so. we're, we're, yeah, I was... no, so like, I, I, I'm very excited by the fact that like this, di- this meeting like doesn't go well. <laughs> like, I, I'm really glad that they like, it, it annoyed me a little bit in the previous episode when like Tyrion's like, you remember that one kid I took to the wall to go look at it? I him and he was a good lad and he doesn't hate me because my whole family killed his family and like like how they just sort of like gr- glass over like all this like history and like situational thing to like make John to put John into the situation like that kind of annoyed me a little bit but I'm really glad that like on the flip side this episode they followed through with a lot of that enmity and like you know it's still there so yeah. it's like you know the fact that like and they, they and they don't spend a lot of time on it by the end of the episode uh, you know, she's sort of given him exactly what he wants, and he's sort of like, kind of. No, he, he isn't given much back, but you know, he gets what he wants at the end. But at the same time, it's nice to see that, like, you know, it took like. This is how I imagine they're going to do. They're going to like have whole alliances essentially form in episodes, but at the same time, it it felt like they spent enough time to make it actually happen. Was was something yeah. that I thought was was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had talked about this for a couple episodes now that. You know the history of the Starks and the Targaryens. Like it, it just necessarily wasn't going to be an easy road to hoe for either of them. Um, and I thought they did it well, where every you know both sides were like, "Yeah, our ancestors kind of like screwed the pooch here and there, but you know, don't don't blame me for for the sins of the father." Basically, yeah. Um, and they were able to kind of move on, but still kind of make that a dramatic moment. Um, it, it seems like they were kind of getting to, you know, I, they had hyped up this meeting so much, um, and I'm just happy that it that it occurred. You know, I would have been so pissed if it, like, the very end, it's like they, like, see each other, and it was kind of cool to see that they, you know, actually kind of followed through with what they said they were going to do. Yeah, yeah, I think that, I think that was, I think, I, I, I'm shocked it happened the next episode. Like, I'd, I'd never, pre- I, I thought, like, I, I was just so sure that I don't really, I haven't seen anything in the trailer then that's, like, like really predicting what's going to happen at the end of this season because like I was just so sure that like you know they weren't going to show that John and Danny moment till the end of the season so for the for it to happen first like Jesus Christ like I don't even know where this is going man uh so he's got he's got his dragon glass though that's good what did you what did you guys think of like uh Tyrion and Danny's relationship because I I keep feeling that it's tense uh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, like she clearly trusts him, um, and you know, he, even though he, he was, even though he like he's like kind of getting taken to fool school by his older brother. Well, yeah, that's that's definitely true. But you know, in terms of you know sticking with like just the the interaction between John and Danny, 
you know, she, she, she did end up following his advice and letting him mine the dragon glass. Um, I, I did enjoy like the the scene where John is like brooding in the south and, yeah. and Tyrion. That's, that's such a good, that's such a good like, like overall look, Game of Thrones. And Tyrion is like, you look better at brooding than I do. <laughs> like at least they know. <laughs> I I really enjoy. That's like I I feel like this is the best part. This is gonna be the best part about all these characters coming together. Like the cell, the the material gets almost to this just delicious self referential point yes. that is just delicious I love it. and that's and that's and that's I, like i was really i was really worried when all these characters came back together whether or not they'd have chemistry together but even like sansa hugging bran i mean bran is not bran has not grown as an actor which is no. probably why they made the decision to make him like an emotionless robot now <laughs> well, we'll get there sorry i don't mean to jump ahead but, uh, but uh, what, also here's the other thing go ahead sarah well just uh, speaking of the chemistry between characters i was not expecting this but when they were on screen to get th- together i was like god damn it i'm starting to ship sean and john and danny no <laughs> yeah i don't want to john and I danny do. yeah sean ships that sean ships that too <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm joking but uh uh we we all know you're a marjorie tyrell corpse kind of guy um <laughs> oh, jesus sorry <laughs> sounds like the ashes they're so hot sorry that's weird um it but- is a little weird <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's fine it's game Sean's, of thrones there's a lot of weird shit this happens we've, we've seen a yeah like oh god <laughs> like I, I was like reaching for an example and i was like the examples are pretty weird move on <laughs> move on um yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on, moving on. So, where uh, do we think? Wh- um, where do we think we're gonna go with uh, with the dragon glass and like this relationship, right? So I, he's gonna I, mine the dragon glass, and yeah, go for it. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm like sure he'll be back. It went well. I feel like we we need like one Sansa heavy episode, so I bet he'll be back at Winterfell in like two episodes. I think that's right. Like they have to have more of an interaction between the two of them because they're they're like warming up to each other. Um, I still don't think that like push comes to shove, like John's ever going to agree to to be like the warden in the north. Does I, uh, does anyone think that's going to happen? Oh yeah, I think he definitely will. I think he, I think he'll do it in a heartbeat to get the dragons up there to save his people. Interesting. And that that but, would be that would be. I mean, my bit with John this episode was that was like I I feel like he was like you know the point of a king is to save their people and to guide their people. My people are going to die. If these are going to be your people, you need to save them. Yeah, but let's let's recall like what's going on this episode, right? Like Danny no longer has any allies. They've all been defeated. Um so, you know, she's not gonna send her dragons up anytime soon. Yeah, I guess I guess like that was just like he's like, when you're war, but like I will bend the knee when you come and help us. Interesting. I, I don't know. I guess like I guess like sometimes like you know they can't have it, but I felt like that was a prevented conversation on the basis of like the show's logic and its inability to suggest that Danny's going to go north. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, there's no way John can bring his like whole you know he, there's it's just against the nature of his character to like march his army south at this point like i, I oh, just don't there's no it. there's no way yeah. there's literally no way that he will do that and 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 frankly with bran there i don't see in any context where that would happen yup and and also on the oh. another side of this the other thing i wanted to rem- reprimand my statement before i bet you john goes home and then sansa leaves for uh, the veil um, and then does, you know, the little finger murder, little finger becomes queen of the veil dance, which would be cool, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, I, this is a good, a it doesn't, I guess, it, I guess for me, it doesn't particularly happen in what order, but I, I feel like that's the sequence of events is John's going to go home with the dragon glass, uh, whether Sansa leaves beforehand or after she's still going to go to the veil and do the, do the dance or unless she doesn't, I don't know. I, I, re- I really think she's, they got to have some like completionist thing with the veil warriors, if you know what I mean. And like, they got to, I think they really do want lady Sansa there. And I, it, uh, there has to be some completion with Littlefinger, as is. Oh, absolutely. And in this episode, like, they were hyping Sansa like no one's business. Like, the whole, you know, scene with Tyrion and Jon walking up to Dragonstone and 
and John saying that, oh yeah, she's starting to realize like how smart she is. And then the scene of her like kind of walking around Winterfell, like managing the town. And it's like, oh, we need to have leather on these breastplates. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying to, they're trying to sh- kind of evolve her character, I think. And in, in, in a way that right now is, is a little awkward, but I think it, they're making it more and more plausible that she's actually going to go and, and take over the Veil at some point and just kind of overthrow Littlefinger. Yeah. And also the respect that the Veil warriors have for her. I don't mean the Knights of the Veil or whatever, but the respect that they clearly have for her and their more classical medieval kind of bent as opposed to the Northerners. You know, I think that there's there's definitely more of like a, a different vibe to them, and I think Sansa fits in with that. Uh, very differently and and, and a little bit I don't know there's I guess like for my part like sometimes I'm like where is the iconography of everyone gonna fit and I feel like Sansa's iconography fits really well in the veil and like the things that are associated with her and so I just very much expect her to like end up murdering Littlefinger in the veil if you know what I mean I really think so how do you think we get it's just perfect I know I just 1000% just like she like or just like somehow seduces and sexes him and then pushes him out the moon door. Yep. Like I don't I don't understand <laughs> what context. Like like it has to do like a sexual power thing if I if oh, I like that yeah. would be my Oh yeah. Yeah, and she like just kisses him and he's like, "Oh yeah, this is what I always wanted." And he like says Caitlyn her mother's name, which is just like the creepiest thing on earth. And then she pushes him out the moon door. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. I love how the moon door is always just conveniently located for like folks to fucking fall through this thing. It's <laughs> like, like a giant it's a giant <laughs> it's fucking just, hole. It's like a teleporting it's like it teleports <laughs> your death to you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is, okay, I have to. I have to ask one other thing. There's two other big things on Dragonstone, which is the biggest part of this episode, uh, or the biggest portion of this episode. One is Melisandre just like running the fuck away. What do you guys think about that? So, what was? Yeah, Sarah, go for it. I just I worry that this is going. She's going to go hop in the boat with Gendry and sail on the sea of dropped plot threads. But do we care at this point? Not like, really. Thinks she's I don't. like she literally, and, and that's my point. Is like I'm okay with her dropping that plot thread because at this point she's like a device, and she literally calls herself a device yes. within the plot. I, I brought the ice and fire together. Like, <laughs> of course, she then she's like, "Well, I, I have to come back and die in Westeros, so I'll see you again." And yeah, but, well, no. what what was weird to me about that whole bit is that you know Danny's kind of suspecting that John is not or she doesn't believe that he actually has seen this army of the dead which is ironic given that like Danny's fire retardant so you think that of anyone like Danny would be the one to be like oh yeah that's probably a, poss- a possible thing <laughs> <laughs> like I've got dragons and I'm immune to fire like it's maybe in the realm of possibility that you know that there's an army of the dead like rolling around somewhere um, but Melisandre could have just like come out and said yeah, this is a thing, and also I've seen the fact that John got stabbed in the heart. Um, so she could have confirmed that that was something that happened. Um, why? And this is something I didn't really get in the episode. Like, why do you think John was uh, kind of you know, hesitant to, to let Davos say that he had gotten stabbed and had been revived? Because he's already crazy enough. I totally buy that. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't have even told him. I would have. I might even have lied to Danny and said a wildling army that's just really, 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 really big. Well, yes, but then at the same time, he wouldn't specifically need dragon glass for that. You're right, you're right. I mean, I I don't disagree with what he did. You know, he was honest about the White Walkers, but then, like, he didn't have to make it more ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, saying that he's like come back from the dead. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, and now he could, then they could also say like, okay, now let's test this stab stabby. Yeah, right. And also, yeah. Like, I yeah. can't also, immediately test the existence of, the of dead, White Walkers. Then you're one of them because you came back from the dead. It's like, no, it's Sarah, different. It's, it's, it's like it's. It <laughs> I was amazed that they act, that he actually explained as much as he did. Yeah. To be honest with you, like, like I, 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 I was actually amazed. As much as was come across as was, uh, so I, I, for that part, I understand John's position. Like he's in an impossible position, uh, but at the same time, I wanted to ask: Did y'all notice like the reference to his father, like one of the dragons being called Rhaegal? Yeah, 
Well, I, I yeah. mean, I, oh, we yeah. knew that from the books and, that they were called Rhaegal and Viserion and Drogon. Yeah, I, I know, but I think the big thing is, like, does that mean that Rhaegal is his dragon? Would that be kind of oh. cool to ride, like, that his father's namesake? Cool, yes. Um, though that said, no one really particularly wants to ride Viserion. I bet you if any dragon dies, it'll be Viserion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that was the one that uh, Tyrion was building up a rapport with. Is really? Is, do we know that that was the dragon? Yeah, we do. How do we know that? In the books? Uh, no, through the show. Like, he mentioned that it was uh, Viserion. It was, like, the green one. Really? No, Rhaegal they actually yeah. cite this. So they actually... Rhaegal is the green one. See, that's one. my thing. I thought Viserion so. I thought so. Is is the white one? I don't know. I'm pretty sure that the one that uh, I could be wrong. No, no, no. Can... I mean, I, I agree with you because I want Tyrion to be at building up a thing with it. Um, hopefully, they'll rename that dragon because <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> it's like death plot device. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, I think that like it's just like it's interesting to also note that this is the the primary the most the most sought after three heads of the dragon the third head is usually described as being Tyrion like I'm not sure that's like fair to say but I do believe that is like the most popular plot thread at this point is that Tyrion is the third head of the dragon so this is the first time that all three heads of that theory are in one room together I will say Missandei yep. was wearing and, and, and there's uh, a lot of textual support for it. Missandei was wearing this pin that had three dragon heads on it in the episode. I don't know if that's so was they were they all were oh, okay, they uh, okay. uh, Danny was as well. Gotcha. Yeah. gotcha. That's um, the sigil of the house. It's, it's literally their sigil. Yeah. Well, I know that, so. but yeah. um, I, I know. But then you know, John has the John has the. It's just interesting to me that like I figured they would have like if if he was going to be a head, I figured they would have telegraphed that more. Do you know what I mean? Or telegraphed maybe what? Tyrion being ahead of the dragon. Uh, you know, I don't think they've gotten there yet. Like that's going to be a big reveal if that happens. But yeah, and they I mean, haven't. There's they a lot of. They uh, have not given out any of the Joanna Lannister history stuff. That's true. And and, and it's like, is that like they're like they're not playing coy with John anymore? So there needs to be at least one secret. So they're just like not telegraphing it at all till it happens. Is that like what you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, most of what the theory is 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 not, you know, there's not a whole lot there. But I mean, it's it's mostly just Tywin saying, you know, you're not my son, um, and maybe taking that's show based. But in the books, there's a lot of background. That is true. The books, the books, like literally, uh, the the Mad King was like in love with Tywin's uh, wife, and there was a whole thing where he made her come, and then she left upset and came home and then gave birth to Tyrion and died like like that's like it's pretty I, I don't know I, I think it's pretty it's 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 less it's less sure like John is pretty much well John is obviously confirmed by the show but like it, it was pretty like there's there's like a heaping helping of evidence to the fact that John is uh Rhaegar's son and I think that the fact that like it's always been pretty obvious to me from the book's perspective that uh, Tyrion is also ahead of the dragon. So I guess for me, it's like I'm ready for that to start being more revealed, per se. And I guess I guess it's like, you know, maybe maybe that's like it, that's my personal fan theory. I understand that it's still a fan theory, though. And in the context of the show, it's really not fleshed out other than that one line from T- Tywin. Right. Yep. When he's getting murdered. Though they're they're kind of trying to be funny with it now too, because there was the whole line where Danny was like, "I'm the last remaining Targaryen," and just like almost like did a little glance at the camera, being like, "That that that did that did." I mean that one, but that could be referring to just John or anything. That that was the thing too, is that it was it was funny to me that the show, if if Tyrion is ahead of the dragon, that the show didn't like it's really holding that close to the chest. Yeah. All right. Well, there's one one last thing I want to talk about before we move off of this thread, and like that's the whole prediction that like Varys is going to die in uh, in Westeros. Uh, first off, like, what do we make of that, and like, what do we make of Varys as a character at this point? Like, what what what's his role <laughs> other than just kind of like sitting on some sort of ledge? I, I guess like I liked. Go ahead, Sarah. I'm talking too much. Oh, um, I don't know. I didn't I didn't really have an opinion on that yet. Uh, I guess, I guess, for me, point Sarah, uh, Ver, uh, Varys is like, 
I guess that like I'm less interested in him since he is like a. It's it's so. I like I like it when Game of Thrones in the first season was at its best with some of these secondary plot characters when they were being totally inscrutable and you didn't know where they stand and they they were in and they were important to who was going to get killed and who wasn't not. But now that they're like outside of the context of some of those like important players thing, like Littlefinger is like secured in the North and he's not going to go back to Cersei because Cersei's going to kill him. So he doesn't have a lot of cards to play. And, and I guess because of that, like it's very hard for me to like identify with the interests of various and Littlefinger. But this is the big thing too, is like, what if Littlefinger comes back into play with Danny? And that would be very interesting to me, but that's at the same time, like Sansa and Dan- like, I guess like, this is the thing is like, you know, it's, there's a lot of neat predictions that could and could not happen. IE, you know, Danny and I mean, uh, Littlefinger and Sansa go to the veil and Sansa kills Littlefinger. That's, that's a neat tied up plot thread. But the complicated version of that is that like Sansa goes down there for some sort of diplomatic purposes. Uh, Littlefinger gets tied up in the court and, and Littlefinger and Varys have a final showdown where Varys dies and then Sansa kills him. And then mm. it's like this court queen sort of thing, but that could happen, but I don't doubt that it will. Even though like I, on a personal level want Varys and Littlefinger to have that same sort of showdown as they did in the first season and have a completion of that. But I agree. That seems like a, like that rivalry between them feels like a dropped plot thread at this point. I agree. And I feel like they've been building up the, I mean, they started building this up, especially in the beginning of uh, this season. I think it was literally the first right. scene where, you know, Danny was just like, or maybe it was the second episode where it was just like, you know, if you fuck up again, I will literally burn you alive. Uh, which is kind of setting up some sort of conflict between him and Danny. Um, <sighs> But I'm I think not it's. Sure. I think uh, for my point, sometimes this is hard for me to tell because part of me thinks that they're just clearing up past conflicts for her to trust him because it is a, it is a stretch and it doesn't happen in the book immediately that she trusts him and that's the point. It's like that's the other thing is like John Connington. It, it feels like that's the thing is like how are they adapting the books? They're removing John Connington, which is going to be a big plot point in the books, and that's the issue is that Varys is very much a character that allies with John Connington. Okay. Well, John Connington's not in the show. Various clearly then has to ally with Daenerys. Mm. Yeah. So does that change his character's motivation or is he going to be like, here's the other thing you could do with various at the end. He's like a quadruple agent. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like that, that would be, that would be a better use of his character than this. Like, but I feel like this show is enjoying more like his friendship with Tyrion. And that's like, they want to maintain that. So he's just going to be in the background until he dies and motivates Tyrion. All right, fair enough. Well, we've got to be any. On. It could be any of those. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like I guess that's the thing. Is like, I guess like there's there's two different things. There's there's the there's the book version of which way you think Varys is going to go. There's the show version, and that's based on two different things. From a plot dynamic version, I feel like it's just he's just going to be a straight character. From like an interesting political thematic level, I feel like the show set him up as a different way at the beginning. And watching the first season, I think that he's then going to be more of this final like triple agent deal. But I doubt that that's going to happen because it makes more sense and there's too many plot threads in the air as is yeah no i, th- I think that's right well speaking of Sorry. plot threads it's time to move <laughs> on to another one um <laughs> let's uh we'll, we'll do this one in kind of two parts because i think they're related the first is uh theon Greyjoy gets rescued uh it's just a brief little scene um you know so he's he's not captured he's not in the in the in the clutches of euron like what the fuck is he getting? Where are they going with him? I just, I don't, I, I hate his character so much. And I feel like the show has, has made us want to hate his character for the last, like literally since the beginning of the show. Like, why is he yeah. still alive? <laughs> I guess, I guess like he got, he got a lot of praise a couple seasons ago, like before we hit like the real low, low of like fifth season. Like he got praised for like being kind of this tied between two places and people are really interested in him. So people are invested in Theon like an actual Stark child at this point. And people cheer for Theon. Like people really, really like him as much as like, well, not as much as like Arya, but like I would argue that people like him as much as Jon Snow, you know? And, and I think that's like people are cheering for his character and the level of well, like his sister. Well, I know. Yeah, it's like a stretch, but I'm going to like people Theon's like character. Theon than I am in Jon Snow's character. Like, I don't really care what happens to Jon, but I care what happens to Theon. Oh, Jesus. I just, uh, I what? Wow, okay. 
I find I I, mean, I find I think I think he's probably more interesting since Jon Snow is like the quote unquote main character of the series. But like I feel I still find that like because Jon's tied up in what the sh- what the series means because he's the main character quote unquote. Um, He's still inherently interesting to me. I don't know. Let's not talk about it. This is this is like no character. Like Theon, character Theon compa- everyone has their favorite character because of themes and the things it does. Yeah. Like that's the whole point. There's so and many. I mean, my is, big is thing though no is that there's so many favorite. Ca- I just it's more interesting plot development in my opinion. I I agree <laughs> to you though, Sean, and that like I think this show is due for at least one more big character purge. Oh, I think it's gonna. Yeah, be I mean, he has to one. do something, right? Yeah, like there, there has to be a narrowing of plot lines and there's just like even like and this is like this the height of like the fifth season is like when there was like thousands of goddamn plot lines and like and they got then they get there's been a like the seasons have literally been culling characters since fifth season <laughs> like like other than like Leanna Mormont and a couple characters like there's not been they've been taking away characters more than they've been adding and that's to the show's credit but there still feels like you know this sort of shit I agree with you Theon feels very very secondary to the plot at this point Yeah Yeah I mean I feel like he has to do something I mean like they just can't have him you know he's been chilling around and kind of trolling around Westeros kind of being miserable and you know having a shitty little existence but he's been doing this for like two or three seasons now like i feel like i have to do something more interesting i I don't know i think like going to i feel like it's interesting going to to danny i feel like maybe you're right maybe because that like they did become a plot device in danny's season do you know what i mean yeah and it was really uh yara who was kind of in in the driver's seat on that one where Theon was just kind of you know following her around and and I guess really that's the point it's like Yara Yara is a character maybe at this point now it's time for Theon to like actually command the fucking ironborn do you know what I mean yeah i mean that's fair i don't know if there are any well i guess that that that's a logical thing to happen at this point right like there aren't any more you know Yara's in captured at this point, so Theon would have to command whatever is remaining of the Ironborn to go defeat uh, Euron. Assuming yeah. Danny doesn't like bring her dragons out to just go burn his ships. To- Which I'm sorry, as far <laughs> as like reasons not to do a thing, like I think that's <laughs> fucking stupid. Like just just go burn. I I don't know, man. I I have to if if I was other like Danny's other tactician in those streams, I was like fucking burn this bitch to the ground. <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean, I know that makes me all, a bad all she person. Has to do but- <laughs> basically is like burn the fleet and burn Cersei's ships. And then at that, like, that that's all she has to burn. All she's got to do. The rest of Westeros will be yeah. fine. That's plenty yeah. of people left to rule. And, and I think that's actually the reason I'm actually the, the most upset thing about this season is that at this point, the dragons are in the air and they really have superiority. And I know that the showrunners are trying to build up the ballistas as, like, an actual threat to the dragons. But I just... <laughs> I just, I, just, I just don't buy it. Like, I'm sure they're like, if it, and at this point, it's just plot devices. It's like, what raises the thematic stakes? It's like, at the moments that they want the dragons to work, the dragons work. At the moment they want the ballistas to work, they'll work. So it's just like, I get, I don't know. It's, like, there's no, like, puzzle in that, you know? It was silly. Like, the whole the whole thing where it's like, yes, we got the best blacksmiths in King's Landing. And, and what did they come up with? It's <laughs> a Big ballista. A giant crossbow. <laughs> Just like a That's... huge, huge ass ballista. And it's gonna and we're going to turn this giant fucking thing fast enough to hit a flying goddamn dragon. Yep. Yeah, it's like some hobbit shit, man. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like it's a wind spear. It's a wind, but I don't know, whatever. I don't care what it was called in there. It was it was silly. Uh yeah. Well we gotta we gotta let's move to King's Landing, because uh, there's some interesting stuff going on here. Uh, you know, it's kinda funny to me because I, I was saying this when I watched the was watching the show, but like you know, seven seasons in, it still like weirds me out when there are like sex scenes between Jamie and Cersei. Like I just like I'm like, oh man, oh. Can I can I be honest? The most disturbing thing about this episode for me was when like 
Cersei, they clearly implied that Cersei left torturing and murdering that woman's child and then, like, got hard and went and had sex with Jamie. <laughs> yep. Like, well, that's by totally, the way, continuing it's totally the implied. Continuing the creepiness, <laughs> she starts, like, making out with him and he says no. And then she keeps going. And it's also implied that she, like, little... takes advantage of him being drunk. Like, a little bit. Like, yeah. He, he acts it like was a little, a bit, little bit rapey. Okay, well, he like straight up raped her like a season before. Like this, this is true. Like, like, this, this is, is the true. most. This is by the standards of like incestuous relationship is the most unhealthy relationship. <laughs> <in the world>. <laughs> <laughs> like it's not. It's not just incest. It's just at this point, it's like it's not even that it's in, like incestuous people. Like actual incestuous people are like that's some messed up shit. Giving us a bad name, yo. We're just incestuous and terrible and having terrible children. Like this is really bad now. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. No, I, mean, I don't. I don't mean to like insult our "quote unquote" incestuous listeners of East for Bros. I don't know. I'll check. I'll check like the, where they're coming from. Ninety percent of them are from like West Virginia. No, I'm just kidding. Oh my uh, god! Easy West Virginia shot. I'm sorry, West Virginia. You're not North <laughs> no, Carolina. Not. That's why you get shot up on. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the the Jamie Cersei relationship at the end because I think there's a lot to say about it, but I do want to talk a little bit about uh, just her revenge against the Dornish. Like that was pretty fucking dark, uh, even by horrible. Cersei standards. I thought. Yeah, that that yeah that I mean this is. Uh, I, I am like ninety percent sure that Cersei's thing is gonna be a slide towards madness over the course of the next season. And and I'm gonna enjoy the shit out of it because like Lena Hetty is just like just having a field fucking day with this character at this oh, point. Yeah. And it's just it's really good for me, like personally. Like I don't know. Like I, I like I I like all of it. Uh but I think that they're gonna they're tr- they're it's clear to me that they're going to make Jamie a more cuz because the eventual thing that's going to happen is Jamie's going to kill Cersei. It's very pretty clear that they're going to do that at this point that you know in the reference to the chronicle uh, the reference to the to the uh, the thing that, that Cersei tells. The ref- so okay, so the theory goes the the prophecy that Cersei knows about is that her little brother would kill him uh, but Jamie came out 6 seconds after her so he is also her little brother even though she doesn't really consider him. So the fact that she thinks that Tyrion will kill her is bullshit because actually Jamie will kill her because he'll be like and sick of her madness and she'll just go mad and he'll end up stabbing her in the back. Which is which is the running theory and I think that's a pretty it just makes too much sick at this sense at this point not to not to happen. So yep. well we, and, and that's evident by what we saw. I don't want to get too much into this cuz I really want to flesh this out at the end of the show, but like kind of evident what we saw at the end where uh you know Jamie wanted a more kind of you know respectable right end right for Elena. Just um, let the just like the lady was, the old lady go kindly into the good night and that's just yeah. like that's very jamie at this point because they spent they spent so much time and very successfully built him up as like a sympathetic character right so it's a good con it's a good contrast point with cersei who just seems to be getting like more and more super villain-esque like the the, the more episodes we get into this <laughs> yeah season. dude she's 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 perfecting her evil laughter at this point and like cackling like it's I, I, that, and they've they've drawn that conclusion. So I feel like the fact that they've drawn those lines in the sand, and that she's no longer like a—I mean, she's never been a super likable character, but at this point, she's like the villain. I've liked her because she's so. What evil. do we? <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I like her too because she's she's an understandable villain. She's yes. a mu- she's a much more different villain. But I feel like the show is going to cheapen out a little bit and push her, us towards not liking her with more scenes of like this like we know where she comes from but at the same time i bet she's going to do a lot more horrible things like this before it's over oh yeah what do we think about um mycroft homes the uh, the bank of bravos uh think <laughs> thinking about uh funding funding the lannisters it seems like they've been having a lot of good luck lately they first they got um randall tarley to join their side and now it looks like they're gonna get some bankrolling I love Cersei's point. I, I thought that was a bit of excellent craft in terms of the universe, in terms of justifying why the fuck the Iron Bank wouldn't back Daenerys. Because Daenerys has all the cards. And that's the thing, is when you got all the cards, everyone else wants to be your friend. And I think I think they, they do a really good job of suggesting that like Daenerys takes the throne, she's not gonna pay back your debt. <laughs> well, 
I don't know. The, the one thing that's kind of unbelievable to me is that the whole idea, you know, there, there's these trillions and trillions of dollars of debt that, that uh, the crown is indebted, right? And and their solution is like, oh, we'll take over uh, High Garden, which apparently doesn't have enough soldiers to, like, defend itself. <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah, it's like the richest, uh, it's the richest, like, castle. In- They're not good at fighting. <laughs> what? That doesn't <laughs> make like, a lot of on. sense. Like... I mean, even if, like, and it, it suggests, I understand how they suggested. They suggested that Randall Tarley and, like, a large number of, like, the Reach's bannermen, like, turn on them. Yeah, but, you know, they're, they're, it's this giant castle. Like, all they needed to do is have a few people, like... Yeah, that, that that's the big thing. That's the big thing. It's like, you know, in medieval warfare was sieges, and then, like, Jamie would have had to gone there and maintain that sieges for, like, months. At which point, Grey Worm could have caught up to him. Like that's, right. that's the whole point. It's like yeah, it should have taken three episodes for like uh, High Garden to fall. Um, and I understand they're trying to like speed up the the, the timeline a little bit, but yeah, it, I don't know. I get. I guess it just seems me, like, like a lot. The fact that they like recycled some of the like like when they're going through High Garden, it's like I could tell very strongly that they did not want to make a space for High Garden from us from like there was just like I guess like like you could tell that they were like speeding that up for like production purposes and i guess that made me a little it's just very it, yeah i would have loved to have seen high garden quote unquote high garden do you know what i mean mm-hmm. i know we're yeah, not oh, to absolutely. that point in the episode yet but that transition from casterly rock to high garden felt really awkward to me like it took me a minute to realize that we yeah were, oh we're at high garden now okay and and here's the thing, that's a production quabble. I think they did do it like so well. That sequence with like Tyrion describing things and then being wrong is so strongly done. Like it's just such a heist movie thing that they do, and it's like it's not what you thought. And it's like it's so good. Like I I don't mean to actually criticize this episode in any form or fashion. This is probably like a top ten Game of Thrones episode. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a really really strong episode and it's primarily strong because of like a lot of the meta textual stuff that they're doing and it's very interesting it's like here and it's also like poking the it's poking you know Tyrion's been the smartest person on the everywhere for a long time and they even poke fun at that and they poke fun at Jon Snow's brooding and they poke fun at like Danny and Jon Snow meeting and they poke fun at all these other things and they poke fun of like you know the whole thing like Theon's group know that he like chickened out because the whole point of Theon's character at this point is that like he's embarrassed like essentially of like you know his like former you know shit eating self and like it's just there's this episode is so good I I agree, and I, there's a lot I want to talk about with the uh, Cashley Rock and High Guard, but I do want to just knock out. Some I'm sorry, no, no, I'm I'm throwing you. I I've had like no, three or four glasses good. of wine, uh, so I'm gonna spout can... off knowledge. But I'm you 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 take the reins, take the reins, Jesus. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll knock these two little plot threads out real quick. Like first, I, I want to we have to talk about the Sansa and Bran uh, being reunited because um, I guess they haven't seen each other literally since. You know, the first or second episode, or is that right? Yeah. My Super first thought awkward. was she hasn't seen him since before he hit puberty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like but I, it was I don't... a weird interaction, man. It was like I I don't know where they're going with Bran at this point. Yeah, like you know, Sansa was clearly trying to be like the, the bigger sister and, and then Bran just kind of goes off on this like just like I saw weird. your rape. That was so messed up on like just so many levels and so poorly handled. And I just like, I just, uh, yeah, that I, was I, one I of don't the, know. I, yeah, it, it, so what the first thing that struck me is like, this is like the most we've seen Bran speak like all season, right? Like, <laughs> or, or, you know, even not even just all season, but like In some of the most we've seasons. seen him talk. Yeah. So he's literally like monologuing, and I'm just like, "What the fuck are they playing out with him?" I just I don't get it. Get it. <laughs> and the other thing too is like, I guess like it was interesting. To, like he was a plot device to reveal past issues, and I guess like now at this point, like they might go full plot device with him, and then like the person's reaction we're watching for is John learning past secrets. So like I guess like I don't know. It's cool that he like went full three eyed Raven from watching the weirwoods and all this stuff but like he 
like the whole bit about him not even being able to communicate with Sansa, like clearly that's going to be a problem moving forward. But like, I don't know. Yeah, here I'm absolutely I absolutely agree with you, Sean. I don't know where they're going with Bran, and I know that it's going to be a big deal for the show because it's probably the last big secret of the books to be revealed how Bran and the Three Eye Raven and all that shit works. Uh, but. I'm not interested. So, so here's a, here's a thought. Like, what if they use Bran as a way to kind of play out the the potential like kind of darker side to Sansa? Because he does have a superior claim than she does. Like he's oh, a male star. I, I have no doubt. Sansa said it straight up, and she's like she's gonna push Bran. Bran's not gonna want to do it, but she's gonna try to push him to take John's place. Mm. But I can't I have- see Bran. I don't. I can't see John challenging Bran. No. Yeah, I mean, I also don't really see Bran like kind of playing along with it. Like, yeah, Bran's I don't just... either. And that's the thing is like that's a whole like I I guess like for me is like do they put? <sighs> I feel like there are better ways for them to create, and they've been hinting at them distrust between Sansa and John. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel like they could do a lot better ways to do that than <laughs> like pushing the shit between. Uh, Bran and like I don't think they need I, I, th- I think they've established that they don't need Bran as a wedge to push between Sansa and Jon at this point yeah that's fair and I love or how is it the, the viewers fire- are yeah. I, oh no I was just gonna say like it's it's really funny to me that the viewers are just like I just want fucking visions like <laughs> that's all I need from no, Bran yeah, but, yeah because there's, <laughs> there's so much more in the past now that we don't know about that this show could reveal right now. That is so fascinating. Like they could spend an episode and keep me enthralled just yeah. with like oh, past yeah. visions. Oh, yeah. And like I want to see Leanna Stark as like the yes. Night of the Laughing Tree. I want to see that. That's awesome. Yep. All right. Also, so the guy one... that they had to play young Ned Stark was just some of the most perfect casting I've ever seen. <laughs> He's he cast looked... onto this season as well, by the way. Oh, good. He just, uh, yeah, so he's, he looked exactly as I would have pictured Sean being at that age. Like, it's unbelievably <laughs> perfect. And he sounds just like him, too. He's so northern. <laughs> I really it's impressed my Sean girlfriend Bean. the other day, by the way. We were at a bar, and there was this guy there who was very obviously British. And, uh, you know, I start, you know, kind of craning my neck over there. I'm like, I want to know where he's from. He sounds like he's from the north. And he looks over. He's like, I am from the north. I'm from Newcastle. I was like, yes. I still got it. I'm sorry. I pride myself on identifying regional British accents. It's a weird, useless skill. (laughs) It's not useless. It makes me laugh. Thus, it has use. (laughs) Sorry. I'm very drunk right now. (laughs) So am I. I'm, I'm finishing off a very large glass of wine. Lead us on, Sean. Which is <laughs> fitting for a Game of Thrones podcast. Exactly. I know. But I didn't even right. really want it, but I was like, Sarah. it's become tradition at this point. <laughs> so we're moving from uh, from Mycroft Homes to uh, Professor Slughorn. Uh, so let's let's go to Old Town. <laughs> I watched Half Blood Prince yesterday. <laughs> and I love how he's just like, uh, yeah, like Jim. Bro- is it Jim Broadbent? I think it yeah. is, is yeah. the yeah, actor's yeah. name. I love how in uh, in every role he is like he's just like this like crotchety old like British man who's just like uh, it's 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 I'm, I'm just, it's, it's he awesome. does it. He does it. <laughs> I love how like Sam, <laughs> Sam and and uh, and Mormont are just like yeah I got better. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. So where where are they going with? I mean, I guess the what really mattered is that Jorah Mormont's now. Healed, quote unquote, question mark. We yeah, I mean, need to have a character calling. Da da dun. Yeah, don't I don't. Heal I love him. I there know, was no reason. So. There was no reason for for this like little detour on Jorah's part. I like, know. what what did he learn by like having grayscale and then getting healed? Like, he still hasn't. Like, there's been no character development burp, burp. in my view. Uh, Maybe uh, he was a device to get Sam to have a reason to start um, copying all of these scrolls because you know that Sam's going to learn something really important about the White Walkers as he's copying all these. No, scrolls. but that's the, he didn't need 
that to happen. You could just write Sam learns stuff at the wall. Like, like it's just like at this point, like, Citadel, I worry yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Well, Citadel. Sorry. Uh, at this point, I do worry sometimes that like the show just gets off and having these long running characters run into each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's right. Like that's two; those are two season one characters running into each other. It's a big deal, but it's just like we don't recognize them because they don't have import to it at this point in terms of theories of what's going to happen with the actual plot. Mm. But that's yeah. that's the thing is like we don't do we we disqualify them even though like literally Sam is at this point pretty much confirmed to be literally George R. R. Martin's like character in the universe from a writer's perspective. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's kind of funny, though, because I heard that he, he actually said that uh, he viewed his POV character to be Catelyn. That uh, was exactly correct, and that's the thing, and that's why I feel like it's a big issue that Lady Stoneheart isn't. That's I, I told, That's why I think that like the writers really diverged from the show and the books here is that like I think Lady Catelyn is going to have a huge issue to play, and I think that, like, yeah, I think that like George R. R. Martin is really, really... Turn like I feel like that was like the big fight is that Lady Catelyn doesn't come back. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, is there any doubt that all Sam's going to do here is become you know he's just going to learn about the White Walkers? I, you know, it, it feels to me like uh, it, I don't know. It has to be more interesting than him just kind of sitting in the Citadel all season. Well, I, I guess, like, here's the thing, is, like, is Bran gonna tell us things about the past? Is Sam gonna tell us things about the past? I feel like they're both, like, m- mechanisms to teach us about the past, and I guess, like, at this point, I was like, alright, I just, like, just tell me where it's gonna come from and how it's gonna work, because, like, this is, like, such an aside just to get, like, Jorah back into the fray, do you know what I mean? And it happened awfully quickly. Like we're three episodes in, he's like, "Well, I don't have grayscale anymore." Cheers. They didn't spend, and they didn't spend like this is not like a huge part of this episode or any of the previous three episodes. And keep that in mind, we're three episodes into this season, and like we've spent like practically no fucking time with Jorah. Like, there's one shot of his hand coming out. There's one shot of him like being inspected, and then there's one shot of them like sawing the shit off his body, and then he's all good the next day. Like this is not. This has been a. This has been a very. I mean, maybe that's just like an effect of like. You know, instead of following characters, we're like, you know, putting it back in the mix. And that's like the speed up season is like, you know, we needed a reason for him to get cured from Grayscale because he had to go away from Danny from the previous season. We needed a reason to get rid of all of Danny's love interests, quote unquote. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know. So I do feel like they freed up Danny very awkwardly. And I feel like that's because they they are going to push the John Danny thing, which I, I guess like I'm not in for, you know. I don't want to be in for it, but I say again, when I actually saw them together on screen today, I was like, they could potentially have chemistry, and I'm you grits corpse and John forever. Huh? (laughs) You grits corpse and John forever. Right. I wanted to like just like take her ashes and rub them on his body, and like you live with I don't know something super creepy like that. No. Yeah, that's like it's like two times I've referenced like ash based corpse sex. So let's move on. Yeah, that's the. Uh... <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's. I'm gonna find let's, an let's... anime where this happens. Oh, I got one for you. Oh, I was no. not even joking. I that's like actually a thing I, I can nope. reference. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, if y'all have on. a weird sex thing, I got an anime for you, <laughs> motherfuckers. That's a skill. <laughs> It's not one that I can like profit off of, but fuck if it's not a skill. It's like my accent identification skill, except creepier. <laughs> it's way creepier. Don't don't even play. <laughs> Please continue, shot. <laughs> so hey, let's get Martell. to the most exciting uh, the most exciting part of this episode, which is this last sequence, uh, both at Casterly Rock and then at High Garden. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about the Casterly Rock sequence, but. I'll just kind of recap, um, and I think I think I, I want to say I called this. I'm not. I don't. I don't remember specifically saying it on air, but uh, back in season one or two, we learned that Tyrion was put in charge of managing the sewers at Casterly Rock, and it's basically just this impenetrable fortress. Um, but <laughs> Tyrion had like a, a secret entryway, so he could have a. Companions of the of the night brought in uh, in, in secret, and and this is how 
Grey Worm and the Unsullied were able to get in. It just took about 10 people and they were able to take Cashley Rock pretty easily. Um, but I guess the big twist is that, you know, even though they were able to do it, uh, you know, all of the folks there had already left. They had just kind of let Tyrion take the castle. And what surprised me about this is that it's, it's a, you know, it's Jamie kind of outmaneuvering Tyrion, which we really haven't seen before. Yeah. Did I mean that, this is really? Yeah, was that was that believable? Like, you know. Yeah, Tyrion... I think the Olena conversation does does a lot to establishing Jamie. Like Jamie is almost like I don't know. Jamie is like weirdly has like this cuckolding vibe in like the last couple seasons in terms of like it's interesting to watch Jamie's fall from grace. So we never see Jamie in a position of power because we root for him because Jamie, even though he's not really an underdog, is an underdog in our eyes in his own way because his life sucks. Um, So like it's very weird to see Jamie as a powerful figure that can actually do stuff. But at the same time, they still take that power from him and keeping him in like that. So it's like Jamie can very easily succeed at these things. And, and, and you know what they do that they do that by like showing uh, Jamie riding with the, like the Lannister army. They show Jamie riding with like, uh, Tarly. They show Jamie riding with Braun again, which is that's, that was like a rare peek at Braun, you know, like Braun coming out of nowhere, uh, just so that we can see that he still exists and is still like fucking around with the Lannister army and is a major general in it. So he's, you know, and, th- and that's just reminding us, uh, you know, this man is not to be fucked with. Like, you know, he may not be the best swordsman anymore, but he's actually like, he's still Tywin Lannister's fucking son. And he's like fought a lot of goddamn battles and lost a lot of goddamn battles from Rob and like learned lessons. And that was the whole point of that. This is like, you should be really smart by this point. You lost so fucking much. And it, it's still, it's a great way of making him still a sad sack, but trying to reestablish our like fear of his capabilities. Cause we haven't feared him since like. Ned's, Ned Stark the fought him season. in this. Yeah, we haven't feared him yeah. since the first season when Ned Stark and he was like honorably like walked away. That's that's the last time we feared him is when he was fighting Ned Stark. What's what's fascinating to me about Jamie as a character is it's this you know he's kind of like the the, the Lancelot of Game of Thrones. You know he's like this guy that everyone thinks of as like this great swordsman and you know just like this kind of super attractive knight in shining armor and you know he's like the greatest of the king's guard and whatnot but he has like this this stain on his reputation and it's just like kind of two polar opposite ideas mashed together into one character uh and it really works for me um i i find him to be like a really fascinating character and i hope we get to see like more of him going forward and it's kind of cool to see him back in the you know the the lancelot kind of phase of his character where he's on top yeah he's Um, never gonna be a terrifying swordsman again uh but it did it did i guess like as much as people hate the dornish arc like it did a lot in establishing his character and i think i think i think this show i feel like i feel like here's here's it the show is gonna turn on a couple of things that are gonna happen like sansa killing Littlefinger, you know uh Tyrion, Tyrion, like maybe becoming head of the dragon john like finally dealing with his heritage that's sort of there's a couple there's a couple of moments this season is and the rest of game of thrones are going to turn on one of the big ones is that like like jamie is going to have to come to terms and either kill or not kill cersei which i think clearly obviously based on what i've said in the show that he's going to kill cersei but like i think that like we got f- at this point, like it's weird to me to to consider that that I feel like I know where the plot is heading to such an extent, and I've said this like a million times on this fucking show. I always feel like I know where the plot is heading, and then it just throws me a goddamn curveball. Which was why this show is good is is a good show because it's very hard to predict. Yeah. So, what do we think about? Um, you know, they they've kind of, and this is my biggest gripe about this particular episode, even though I did think it was a phenomenal episode. And as you said, probably like a top 10 Game of Thrones episode. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're artificially putting Danny in a position of weakness, even though we came into the season thinking that she was just like unstoppable because she has, she, you know, she had the, the Tyrells and Dornish and she had the, you know, the Dothraki and she has got the dragons. There should have been no contest between her and, and uh, Cersei. And as as we said at the beginning, like even Stannis was almost able to defeat Cersei. Um, and he has nothing on Danny. So it, it just seems like they're artificially kind of making her seem like 
she's in a position of of, uh, of like stress here where it, you know I yeah I mean maybe and I think the other thing too is like if you're gonna build up this like will Danny become go full Targaryen crazy or not which is what I always thought was gonna happen like I thought the I thought the the, the card is like would the act I guess like the previous in the previous season I thought you know will the act of trying to defeat Cersei drive Danny insane was like the way I framed it in my mind. And I, I still essentially frame that in my mind that way. But at this time they're trying to make her a serious threat and she's removed all of it. She's like, and it's not, it's not like, you know, <laughs> what would you do if that happened? No, like you'd send various to Dorne and he'd try to like rile up the people who are clearly, I don't know why they followed the sand snakes in the first place when they like literally murdered their King. Like Jesus Christ. You know, fuck me. That's not, that's not how shit works. <laughs> but like at the same time, like it's 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 you know it's just it does seem to be very artificial. And I guess at this point, it's like it's all like a waiting game to like you know Danny just like fucks says fuck this and just sends in the dragons. And that's the question is like clearly they're like waiting for another siege of King's Landing where Danny actually gets there with her troops and like has dragons and like burns stuff and one of her dragons gets shot or dies or one of the things. Like uh, clearly we're building to that moment. Yeah, and they're setting up Danny to be uh, you know, as you said, to kind of go Targaryen crazy because Cersei drives her to do it. Um, you know, you but, had But to, we need we need well, more signs. That's my issue is that oh, if you're going to uh, do that. Well, give me a second. I, so I think there are signs. So you had you had Elena doing the be the dragon speech, right? And now in this episode, yeah. um, you have Elena saying that you know, the reason I lost to Cersei was because I just didn't have the imagination uh, to, like, do the terrible things that she was able to do. <laughs> yeah, which, um, is, which is just such a powerful moment for Cersei. It's just, like, this crazy woman that murders children. It's just like, yeah, I wasn't a bad enough bitch for this person. <laughs> like, just, first off, we'll get, we gotta get there, because every second of that Olena Tyrell moment is just Olena Tyrell to, like, the nines. And, like, you can well, tell let's, it's like... Let's, let's fucking do this. Let's, let's, are, let's you wanna go there? There, let's go because yes. this is my favorite. I, I, we, we're, we're almost like done with this episode, and I need to talk about that scene because it is, it is, it is. Uh, all of this episode is good, but that moment like elevates this into like a top ten Game of Thrones episode for me. So that that's Olena Tyrell like having her like death throes with like Jamie and like and like first off, it's ridiculous that they conquered Highgarden. I agree with that entirely. <laughs> Yeah, without any like they didn't have any siege weapons. They like they marched up with an army and basically like walked in the door. <laughs> yeah, which which I I don't I don't understand other than like you know that you needed to show that like ninety nine percent of like her vassals like like deserted her, which yeah. is just like stupid for Elena Tyrell because she seems so politically in control of everything. I don't I don't know like it's it does feel constructed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but let's that aside. Like, let's talk about this moment. So, the big drop obviously is that, uh, you know, she she informs Jamie, who didn't know this uh, heretofore, but that that that, uh, that she fucking murdered uh, <laughs> Joffrey, and uh, just in the funniest way, like you know, J- Jamie like is gonna poison her um and it's like this great act of mercy on jamie's part so he thinks because he was able to talk cersei down from something far worse and then uh elena's like well hopefully it's not as bad as uh, what happened to joffrey where he fucking like chokes on his uh you know chokes to death um and she kind of was like oh I've oh, never, PS, you know, that was i hadn't me. seen that poison used before it was just a really dark kind of turn um so I guess I guess my question is how how does this affect Jamie and how does it affect Jamie's relationship with Cersei? I I am inclined to believe that like it's it's like Cersei and Jamie at this point are like a dual steps to madness. And like I never believe that Jamie goes fully mad. I feel like Jamie takes into question his own honor. And like that's the thing is like at yeah. the end is Jamie like here's the thing is like <laughs> like Jamie and Cersei are going down the path of madness together and Cersei is dragging Jamie down. Does Jamie have one last I can save myself moment and that in that moment kills Cersei? 
Yeah, and I think I think they play that up because I was really expecting, you know, once Elena dropped that she killed Joffrey, I was really expecting Jamie to just like draw a sword and murder her and murder her. Yeah, and the fact that he didn't and just kind of walked away and let her die via poison really shows that that Jamie is still kind of anchored to reality in a way that Cersei is not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they've they, like they've spent like almost a season and a half establishing that, like. And I think that it's also, like, in terms of, like, female and male control, like, it's very important, like, who is less crazy and who is more crazy and what are they putting Cersei through. Yep. So I... No, go for it. No, 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 go to town, go to town. Oh, I was just going to say, like, what, what you know, as good as this episode was, it really makes me sad that, like, we're not going to have Elena anymore. She's such a fucking me good too. character. Yeah, <laughs> and and frankly, like... I'm very sad too because watching like it's 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 another top ten Game of Thrones moment that like Olena telling uh, Danny to be a dragon. That's just such a like it's it's so nice to have like everyone's always telling Danny to not be powerful, not embrace that, like understand the little people, understand this thing, and it's so nice to just have a character come on board and be like, nah, fuck everyone, go fuck be yourself, shit up. do it, yeah, go it, do it, fuck the system, yo, and it's just like it's just so. <laughs> It's just, especially from the mouth of Elena Tyrell, it's so good. And it's such a good put together scene. And I was so sad because we got that episode and two episodes later she's dead. And I'm like, you know, I was really looking forward to like Elena Tyrell advice. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Her like having an influence over Danny and kind of shaping Danny to be like a, a more interesting. Yeah, ruler. or at least being like the being like the fuck everything kind of influence on Danny. Like I was really looking forward to her being that. And maybe eventually being wrong in the face of John or somebody else, like advising her. Well, like I, think, I want I think Danny's gonna be forced into that situation anyway, because now she has no allies, um, other than the unsullied and you know and She's got to do something with her. She's dragons. gonna have to. Yeah. Yep. And I feel like they foreshadowed that in the you know in the preview for the next episode. Like, dragons are flying around. She's she's probably gonna go fuck some shit up. Like, what do we think is gonna happen quickly before we wrap this thing up? I I didn't see the preview for the next episode. I missed it. I I next episode we're we gotta get some brand stabilizing factor. I don't know. Or maybe they won't. I don't know. We got to we got to get like a Bran or Sansa based stuff. Like that stuff mm-hmm. has to happen. It has to advance that plot in some form or fashion. At well, the same Arya's got to come back cuz we I was going to say we need to see Arya. We didn't see her to this time. I think that's maybe the thing is like it goes in terms of like actual like I feel like it, the show is going to naturally divide its like army moving people from like it's like plot moving people. You know what I mean? Like like Sansa, Sansa, Littlefinger, Arya, all of them are like not moving armies around the chessboard. So there's like episodes where the chessboard is changed and episodes where like characters on the chessboard change. Yep. I I I mean that's not to say that there weren't characters that are non army moving people this episode that move stuff, but I feel like this was very much like a, a status quo of Westeros episode. Was it though? Like there were, there was a lot of, I don't know. There are a lot of armies moving around this episode, and like a lot of people getting killed that are major characters, right? Um, yeah, fair, fair, fair. Like fuck, Tyne Zan, Jesus fucking Christ. But I mean, I don't know. It also felt like they're they're saving their budget up for like the the big kind of confrontation at the end. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Know? I, I don't know. I'm I'm very upset by the fact that like there's two places that we've known about in Westeros forever, like you know Casterly Rock and like Highgarden, and it just it just like takes it out. So like the rest of the season can just be like around King's Landing and Dragonstone and the Wall, and that's like the that's the only. <sighs> I'm sad because I'm like ninety percent sure that's gonna be the rest of the places we're gonna go visit. Like we're not gonna go visit new places. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's probably right. It's it's a tough episode because it was so good, but 
it like opened the door on so much stuff and we just like i just want to know like what happens and right right that, and that's it, what i love about game of thrones is like you get back into this mentality of you know you watch one episode a week it like <laughs> back like the way we used to do tv shows and yeah, no and it's also <laughs> like it's like this is one of those moments where i'm like fuck you netflix like <laughs> you're wrong like you you are netflix is wrong at this point like this is such a better way to consume TV, and it's so exciting this way. And it, and, and I know it's like people are like, "Oh, I hate the end credits. I just wish I could watch all of it at once." Fuck you. Who has the fucking time to watch a seven hours of fucking TV at one time? You're a dick. You don't work for a fucking living. Fuck you. Sorry, I don't know. I don't mean to insult half our viewers. Well, they probably watched it that way. No, and and what I'll also say is that it's kind of cool too, because like. With Game of Thrones, I can, you know, I can do, like, watch parties every week and get people together. And, like, yeah, talk yeah, about the yeah. Show. And that's not, that's nothing, you can't do that with Netflix. Like, I, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, just, it's I, a it's different a, experience. Yeah. Somebody's like, oh, we'll have a watch party for, like, you know, House of Cards. And I'm like, that sucks. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, show up your house when it's released and watch, like, 24 episodes. Not no. 24. Well, how many are ever fucking episodes are in a house? Who gives a fuck at this point? A whole season uh, is too yeah, much. Yeah, a whole season of house cards. I'm not going to watch a whole season of fucking shows. Sorry, I'm very bitter about Little Witch Academia and the fact that it only released 12 episodes. And because, like, they got Little Witch Academia, that means Crunchyroll doesn't, so they don't simulcast it. Very All bitter righty, guys. That. Well, we are, we are out of time this week. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, from everyone at Feast for Rose, uh, this has been uh, Sean Solis, Jack Newman. Hey, if you want to go check out more about my Netflix rant, go check out the uh, Little Wet Academia episode of Animania. And Sarah Becker. Thanks for listening, everyone. All right, we'll talk to you next week.